I'm Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet, everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, um, you know, one of the things that you, Ladybird, <laughs> say pretty frequently and that I love every single time <laughs> is that a serving of broccoli is not one broccoli. <laughs> and you say this you say this to make the point that herbalism isn't about just taking one thing once and then you're done, right? Like, oh, you have a cold? I know. Take one dropper full of elderberry tincture and all your problems will be solved. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you need more than one broccoli. Right. You, you need, need a whole pile of broccoli. Yeah, broccoli is dosed by the pile. That's, that's how that works. <laughs> you know, that is actually a really great analogy for talking about joint pain, really for talking about anything that we're managing holistically. But today I want to talk about joint pain. Yeah. Um, and uh, before we do that, we would like to tell you that we are not doctors. We are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas we discuss in our podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the U.S., so these discussions are for educational purposes only. Everyone's body is different, so the things we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but they will give you some information to think about and some ideas to research further. We also want to remind you that your own good health is your personal responsibility. The final decision in considering any course of therapy, whether it's discussed on the internet or prescribed by your physician, is always yours. That is a power that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Including when your joints hurt. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, uh, speaking of on the internet or with your physician, um, I do want to draw a little comparison here because in medical science, they're usually looking for one specific chemical that will affect the one specific target that they're trying to change. And to be honest, that model is actually effective for some things. Like, I don't want to be out here saying, oh, and that never works. No, that works for some things. For some things, that's exactly what you need. Yeah. Um, When we're working as herbalists, though, I almost feel like it's kind of about intentionally piling on. Like, how many things can I think of that would help this situation? Great, let's do all of them. And I don't mean to do them indiscriminately, right? I mean, we're still going to have nuance in our formulations. Um... And, and I'm not exactly saying just throw the kitchen sink at it. Like, this is not exactly just Google every single herb that says it's it's good for joint pain and then take all of them. Right, because that strategy usually doesn't work out very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's indiscriminate. That lacks nuance. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about that, but sort of to, to look at a situation evaluate it energetically, evaluate exactly what's going on, then to think about all the things that would provide relief in this specific situation and do all of them. Or to make a really terrible example, if you're trying to lose weight, you don't say, well, either I can change my diet or I can exercise, right? Like you do both of them. Um, And so the same is going to be true when we're building a holistic strategy to deal with things. We want to look at all the categories where we could possibly gain some improvement, and then we want to make changes in all of them. Yeah, this is, I feel like this is related to something I find myself saying to clients really frequently, 
<clears throat> which is that, um, you know, they might ask like, okay, well, should I do this first or should I do that next or what's what? How does this work? And how will I know which is the thing that's working? <laughs> and I'll usually say, uh, what I want to do is first get you to a place where you're feeling great. And then we'll start to peel away variables. So we'll have a tincture, we'll have a liniment, we'll have some diet change, we'll do all of these things until you're feeling really good. And then we might start to say, okay, so uh, how much room do I have here to, to play with diet? How much room do I have to, do I need to take my tea every single day? Or was it really the liniment that was doing the majority of the work? Let's figure that out after you're already feeling good. Yeah. Right? Um, and until we get to that point, let's try everything. Yeah. I or like, you know, I'm I'm just not interested in the one thing that fixed the problem. Mm-hmm. All of the things fix the problem. Kind of like Rome wasn't built in a day or also like there wasn't what's the other thing that people say about there wasn't one reason that Rome fell. Why do we have all these analogies about Rome? I don't even know. <laughs> but um but it, it's there's never one reason for anything. And so I'm not looking for one thing that's going to be the magic one herb that fixed your whatever, Um, especially when we're talking about herbalism, because what we're talking about so much is more about building up all of the support. So like, what was the one food that got you through today? Okay, well, if it's a really stressful day and your answer was chocolate, that that might be valid. But all of the foods got you through today. You needed to eat some protein, you needed to eat some fat, you needed to eat some vegetables, you had to have all of them, and maybe you needed a little treat and whatever. And also you needed some water, and and it's not one thing. Yeah. So we're going to talk about joint pain uh, in the context here with a topical herbal preparation and some teas and things to drink internally, plus some dietary changes that are going to support joint health and reduce inflammation, and also some movements, and also some stress management, and even sleep. Uh, because when we do things in each of these categories, that's when we really start to see the big shifts come along. Yeah. Uh, and so in a complete departure from the usual way we do these podcasts, we're <laughs> going to talk about the herbs first. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, sometimes we get so excited about all those other changes that, uh, that the herbs come last. Which, you know, that's actually fair because... It's a podcast about herbalism. You know we're going to talk about plants, and sometimes we want to emphasize that there's other things that we want to bring along with it, but uh, yeah, today we can start with the plants. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. Well, we know that we want to work with something topically so that we are getting at the issue right at the location where the pain is. Um, so we might work with a liniment like Rin's go-to joint liniment. And that has some Solomon seals, some St. John's wort, some alder, some cayenne. What am I missing there? There's some lobelia in it. Oh, right, right. Yep. Um, yeah. There can be other and, things as well. Um, you know, I might put in ginger sometimes. Uh, yeah, there can be lots of things. I think the friends. one we have right now has maybe some clove essential oil in it. Right, yeah. I'll put clove or wintergreen or ginger essential oil in the mix to, to help it to really drive in. So um, if you're new to our podcast, hello and welcome. Uh, And if you're, you know, an old subscriber, you've been around for a while, you've heard us talk about joint liniments so many times because it's just really, uh, it's it's my go-to solution for joint problems. Um, So, you know, we do have a a recipe uh, written up on 
the uh, on the website. If you just type in the word liniment into the search bar, that'll come right up for you. Um, if you want to get all the proportions and everything. <laughs> but the basic idea really is that we want to combine um, Solomon Seal, which is this fantastic herb for supporting connective tissue health and keeping your um, your collagenous tissues well lubricated and um, well. Uh, hmm. Uh, with their fluids flowing through them effectively. <laughs> yeah. Which enables them to heal and to recover and to maintain good flexibility. And kind of like the exact proper amount of tension. Yeah. I always think about it like a ponytail holder. When they're brand new... Okay, this might... Not, well, no, you remember back when you had long hair. I do remember. When they're brand new, they're like just a little too tight. Mm-hmm. And when they're too old, they lose all their stretch. But there's like a Goldilocks time in the middle of the lifespan of a ponytail holder mm. that is... Like, it's the perfect stretchiness. It's tight enough, but it's stretchy enough. That's what Solomon Seal does for your joints. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so that's... Um, and then we'll combine that with some anti-inflammatory herbs like the alder or sometimes willow goes in there um, to try to bring down excessive inflammation. Not to stop all inflammation, because that wouldn't be helpful either, but to bring down the excessive parts that aren't, aren't really helping the healing process. Um, and, you know, alder and willow, they both have some salicylate content. They can help to relieve pain directly uh, at the same time. So that can be nice, too. Um, we like warming agents in there, like cayenne or ginger or clove, for that matter, uh, to increase circulation, to increase metabolic activity in the cells, um, including the ones doing the cleanup and repair work. Mm. Um and we like a relaxant agent in there. And I'm usually putting in lobelia for that, but of course ginger has relaxant qualities. Um, you know, again, there's lots of other herbs that we could work with for this, but just to release tension. Um, in many cases, a lot of the pain <clears throat> at an injury site in particular is coming from compensatory tension. Uh, you've stressed or you've strained uh, some, some tissues there and your body says, all right, let's lock this down and keep it tight so that it doesn't move in that in that same direction anymore. And that's fine in the initial moments, but you do need to relax that tension in order to allow good blood flow and lymphatic clearance um, so that the healing can really complete. Mm-hmm. So a nice relaxing agent is going to be really important there as well. Um, yeah. So, you know, this, this was originally kind of something I put together for sprains and strains, really kind of focused on joint injuries. Um, and so the, the orientation and the, the formulation is really set up for that. But um, turns out this kind of a liniment can be helpful for lots of problems. Yeah, I, I have grabbed that because we had it around and put it on um, low back pain. Uh, I, I have, I don't know, I've put it on my knees. I've put it all kinds of places and it's really effective um, I even used it this week uh, in a TMJ pain component. Um, what happened was that in Q&A this week, uh, for our online courses, um, all of our online courses are taught by video and they're self-paced, but we feel really strongly that there needs to be an interactive component. There needs to be time for our students to talk to us directly. And so twice a week we have live Q&A sessions where... Um, where we can all just talk about questions and students have a chance to just bring up whatever's on their mind right in that moment. And so this week in uh, Q&A, one of our students brought up um, having really significant uh, TMJ pain. 
And there was a component of clenching the jaw due to stress, and it was keeping her up at night, and it was just really problematic for her. And she was trying to formulate something to work with it. And it was so funny because I also have been having that the past like week or 10 days where I've just been clenching a lot, and it, it has started to affect my sleep. And I was like, oh my goodness, are you talking about me right now? But no, it just happened that we both were having the same thing. And so uh, we worked out a formula together in the Q&A session, and then we agreed that we, we both were going to work with it um, for a week and then touch base again in the, in the following week's Q&A session, Q&A session and see how it worked. So the formula that we came up with was, I like I was thinking about that joint liniment, but we really wanted some more muscle relaxing action because we knew that that clenching was playing a big role. So in this case, we started with the Solomon seal, but then we added goldenrod, kava, skullcap, and ginger essential oil. And you can see here that we're, we're still supporting joint health and we're still providing anti-inflammatory action, but we're also really trying to get the muscles around the joint to release. And um, so I had, I have all those things, but I did not actually manage to get the time or to make the time to put them all together. And uh, so she did, and she worked with them for a whole week and reported back that it was super successful. And I, instead, I was like, ah, no time. But we had a jar of the joint liniment and I was like, whatever, I'll just use this. And cause I told her I would do it and I didn't have time to put it together, but the, they're similar enough. And you see that, that the relaxing action is in both of them. Um, it's a little bit more in that second formula, but that's okay. We had it in both. There's some warming, there's some anti-inflammatory, there's some joint support in both formulas. So. I also found that just the regular, your regular go-to joint liniment was super, super helpful in this situation, though today I am going to make the time to actually put together that second formula that we came up with because it's beautiful and I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah particularly that addition of the kava in there with that, that really nice, warming, relaxing quality. Yeah. A bit of pain relieving aspect also, so... I don't love kava internally, but man, this topically... Time, this time you don't even have to taste it. Yeah, topically, <laughs> it is a lifesaver for me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so one key here is that however you blend up your joint liniment, it's really important to apply it frequently. Because again, you can't just have one broccoli and say, great, I ate my vegetables for the day. You have to have vegetables at like every meal. And... So we're going to do the same thing with our topical application of herbs. We need to do it at every meal, right? And sometimes mealtime is like a really good way to help you remember, oh, right, I'm supposed to rub that stuff into my sore knee, whatever. Sometimes just, oh, my knee has started to hurt again is the thing that will help you remember it. But even once the pain is gone, I still think it's really important to keep going for for even a couple weeks afterwards. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just because like... The pain has gone away, but you're still doing work, you know, like it has recovered enough that it doesn't hurt anymore, but that doesn't mean that it's fully resolved. So keep going even after the pain. And if you just tie it to mealtimes, that can really help you to remember. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, keep keep your uh, 
your bottle or your jar or whatever you've got your your liniment in, keep it somewhere obvious. You know, carry it around with you, put it right on the table, uh, where you, or your desk or someplace where you're going to see it frequently, um, so that you don't sort of like make it and it's all lovely and fantastic and then you put it in a cabinet and then completely forget about it and then you discover it next time you move (laughs) (laughs) and you say oh yeah this is really good stuff I should have been taking this the whole time you know I'm a big fan also of having multiple bottles of whatever you're working with like have one next to your bed have one in the kitchen have one at your desk at work have one in your backpack like put them everywhere so that you you never think of it but can't do it because you don't have it because you left it at home. Like any moment that you think of it, you can actually take the action right away. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So in addition to this uh, topical application, we also want to get some things going from the inside out. Uh, And so we're going to work here with a tea uh, or a decoction, Um, preferably something that you're going to be drinking all day long to support this work that we're doing. So way, way back in episode 10. Man, that was like forever ago. <laughs> it, was, it was a minute ago. Uh, but back then we did actually um, uh, describe a joint support decoction. And um, this actually also was a, one of the recipes that made it into our book, Herbal Medicine for Beginners, uh, which is still available. And... Yes, you can find it on Amazon or perhaps at your local bookstore. Yeah. So the recipe we had uh, in that episode and in the book uh, involved Solomon seal, ginger, meadowsweet, self-heal, licorice, and kelp. And, okay, so the Solomon seal is, again, about supporting connective tissues and keeping them well lubricated. Ginger, you know, a circulatory stimulant and anti-inflammatory, making sure the blood is moving out and through those joints mm. uh, or areas that are giving you pain. Um, and, you know, delivering its wonderful gingerbaceous anti-inflammatory <laughs> powers right where you need them. Uh, the meadowsweet is another herb that contains uh, salicylate contents. And so, you know, it's exerting that nice, cooling, anti-inflammatory quality. It's also helping to circulate lymph and to drain stagnant fluids. Mm. So it can be very helpful, especially if the, the joint issue comes with swelling, right? Um, self-heal is a lymphatic, uh, herb, so it's going to help to move the lymph. And again, it's all about keeping those fluids moving, right? So we're talking about, um, about the fluid inside of the joint capsule, about the blood, about the lymph, about all these different fluids in the body. We need to keep them circulating and moving if the healing is really going to, is really going to take place. Um, so self-heal is contributing to that. Mm. And then a bit of licorice. Uh, licorice here is a, uh, a fantastic anti-inflammatory herb. It really helps your body to utilize its own cortisol more effectively and more efficiently. Uh, Which means that you can do more with less. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Give your adrenals a little break. So that's pretty nice. And then the kelp here, uh, that's a seaweed, and it's providing a, a broad array of minerals and nutrients. Uh, that are going to be required for the rebuilding of healthy joint tissue. Um, it's also, like like all these other herbs, it's got some anti-inflammatory power to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, just a really good good thing to include in a preparation like that. And you know, you might be thinking kelp in tea, but you guys, this tea actually is pretty tasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can play with the proportions to get a, get a taste that, that you enjoy. But, you know, both the Solomon seal and licorice have some sweetness to them. 
ginger, of course, is both spicy and, and familiar. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, th- those were the herbs that we um, uh, included in the book recipe. Remember, in that book, we were selecting 35 plants and trying to cover all of our bases with them. <laughs> so when you have your whole apothecary to pick from, it might be a good idea to put in some rose hips or some goji berries. Mm. These are going to provide, uh, among other things, some vitamin C and some bioflavonoids that help your body to use it really effectively. That's relevant to joint issues because collagenous tissues require vitamin C in order to be built effectively. Yeah. Um, so here we're thinking about the, the, the nutrients required for the reconstruction phase. Um, and there's plenty of other plants that could make their way in here. You could put in some birch, you could put in some alder or willow, especially if you're going to be drinking this over the long term. Those herbs can really help a lot with inflammatory problems impacting joints. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the tea that I'm drinking right now to support this whole TMJ issue that's going on um, is roughly equal parts of cat's claw, Solomon seal, cinnamon, and ginger. And here we have um, a bunch of herbs with anti-inflammatory aspects. Um, And the cat's claw and the Solomon seal are both specifically targeting joint health. Plus, encouraging circulation with the cinnamon and the ginger, again, which I, I think that has really been a theme so far in this podcast about keeping those fluids moving. But honestly, that is a theme in every aspect of herbal um, of herbal health care. But I think in all, like, you have to keep your fluids moving in order to keep your body healthy. That's just, it's key. Yeah. Um, and then there's a ton of antispasmodic action here from the cinnamon and the ginger. And that is really important also, especially because this particular pain has that clenching component, um, that it isn't just about the muscle tightness, but also after a while there can become a spastic, um, a spastic activity going on. Like after you've clenched a muscle for a really long time, then eventually it starts to kind of spasm on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, this particular blend would be really lovely for low back pain too, especially back pain that is maybe from an injury that has like a spasming component to it. This yeah. would be really nice. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that one, you can, you can make your decoction, right? So that's, you know, get, get some handfuls of, of your herbs, <laughs> put them into a big pot, uh, fill it up with some water, bring it up to a boil, Turn down the heat and let it simmer for, with this one, I don't know, at least a half an hour, but 45 I've, minutes would be fine. Yeah, I've actually been just sort of keeping it on the heat off and on all day. Like, mm-hmm. I I brought it to a boil and simmered it for half an hour, and then kind of like every time I go in the kitchen, I just give it a little heat. Yeah. But, you know, if you had low back pain, you can, uh, you can make that, and then you can, you know, ladle off a cup to drink, but you could also take some of it and soak a cloth in it, and then put that right onto your back. With like a hot water bottle on top. Hot water bottle on top, yeah. Yeah. Let that soak in um, and get some some direct topical action from the same same preparation. And then once you were done with that and you were ready to get back up and go back to your day, before you did that, you would rub in the liniment, right? It'd be really nice. Okay. Now listen, what if you don't actually have all these herbs? That's totally fine. Just start with whatever you have. And if you don't have anything, um, this is another place where plain old chamomile and ginger together 
are going to really make an impact. And I, I like, I, this is why this is one of my favorite tea blends, because you can apply it in so many situations. But so here, just ginger and chamomile together, you're going to get a ton of anti-inflammatory action. You're still going to get the circulatory stimulation. You're going to get a lot of antispasmodic action. Um, and also, it helps to just calm down the nervous system component, the the like even the mental and emotional component of oh my god this hurts oh is it gonna hurt forever ah is, is this how my life is gonna be now like that's real and mm. that can run away with you mm-hmm. and make it really hard to keep your mental health your mental space really steady in the face of pain yeah um so even if you don't have any of the herbs that we just talked about just starting with ginger and chamomile until you can start to add more things there really like those are two super available plants um you can get them at almost any grocery store and they really will start to make an impact for you just make it make brew it up strong and uh and it will help there you go all right so we've got some herbs going on and uh next up let's talk about diet now this is starting to be a thing that like more and more it's a thing people are thinking about uh, and and aware of, but it never hurts to say it again. If something is wrong in, in, in your human, <laughs> I, well, most animals really. Actually in any of your, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. You're a living creature. When something is wrong, you got to look at the food. Yeah. I mean, even plants, right? When things are wrong with plants, you look at the food and what's the food for plants? It's the soil. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That, that was sort of profound for a minute there. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Come back. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter what the thing that's wrong is is wrong. It could be physical. It could be mental. It could be emotional. It could be all of them together. Uh, we always want to take a look at the food and see what's going on. You know, that doesn't seem really weird if we're thinking about there's something wrong with your car. Because usually the first thing you think of when there's something wrong with your car is, oh, no, did I change the oil or... Did I get cheap gas at the sketchy gas station that maybe had some kind of a weird adulterant in it? And actually, maybe this analogy only works if you're a gearhead or if you grew up with a dad who was a gearhead like I did. (laughs) (laughs) But like, okay, technology, you know, we've all heard garbage in, garbage out. Um, Right. Like you can't actually just rely on artificial intelligence to be able to uh, give us all of the answers to the problems if the data that we put in to the algorithms isn't good. Right. Uh, and uh, I won't detour us too much, but I, there's been some interesting news items coming out lately from ProPublica Pro um, about how um, one of the, I, f- I forget where, but one of the main um, uh, machine learning or, or artificial intelligence algorithms that's been employed to try to make um, medical decisions oh, easier. I saw that. Uh, they've been... recognizing or or there's been new revelation that it's like heavily racially biased and that um, basically white people who had less severe problems were getting recommended for more care than black people who had more severe problems yeah Um, and it's uh, it's basically yeah it goes back to being a problem maybe with the algorithm itself but more likely with the data set that went into it and um, people needing to recognize that Uh, there's been a a legacy of of injustice or imbalance there. And that just because we set up our computers and now we think we've taken the humans out of the equation, 
<laughs> Some humans yeah. set up those computers. Yeah, it hasn't, hasn't quite happened yet, so yeah. refinement is necessary. Okay. Yeah. But we're talking about food. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so when it comes to the human body, for a really long time, everybody was taught that food can't cause back pain, food can't cause rheumatoid arthritis, you know, like, whatever. But then, uh, yeah, you know, when I was a kid and... and whatever like what go see the dermatologist because of the acne and they're like no don't worry it's not the pizza (laughs) (laughs) they're still saying that i'm pretty sure you know yeah um the thing is that food does impact all that stuff and rheumatoid arthritis in particular food plays an enormous and absolutely causal role in that disease yeah so Really, actually, any kind of inflammatory condition, we can actually always improve that with food because you can control a lot of inflammation with your food choices. There are so many foods that cause inflammation, and that doesn't mean that you're never going to eat them. Like, it doesn't mean that you're never going to have a piece of cake again as long as you live. But it does mean that if you're in the middle of some big inflammatory flare up, or even just an injury, there's an inflammatory component there, then it's just plain smart to avoid the foods that are going to pile on more inflammation. Um, And by the way, it's also really smart to add in the foods that are going to help to reduce inflammation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's say, for the sake of this podcast, that you're dealing with a bunch of joint pain. Um, It's going to be really good and, and really important to remove things like sugar, refined carbohydrates, plus anything that you have a sensitivity to. Um, If you have never done some experimentation about what foods you have sensitivities to, this is a great time to do a Whole30, um, which is whole as an entire, W-H-O-L-E 30.com, which is, it's just a really good elimination diet that has a very structured system and also uh, uh, some humor that goes along with it. And mm. and I find it to be, of all the things that we've ever tried, I find it to be super successful um, for most people. So whatever your system is, um, don't wait to be in pain. Like, do some experiments with foods. And even if you do figure out that you have a gluten sensitivity, that doesn't mean that you have to never eat gluten as long as you live. That's just data to help you live a more comfortable life. And if you're in a point of your life right now where you're dealing with pain, then that's the time when you pull that out of your diet. Um, yeah. But then we want to add foods into. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we're talking about joint health, probably the first thing I would think of would be some good old bone broth. Mm. So, um, and especially if you make your bone broth where... It's not just like dry, white, clean bones that you're putting in there to, to boil up, but yeah. bones that have connective tissue on them. Yeah, uh, all the gristly the, bits. Yeah, gristle, collagen, uh, whatever you call it. You you want that to be to be going into the pot because as you boil it, those connective tissues will actually break down and dissolve and come out into the water. You're making bone tea at this point, mm. uh, collagen tea, right? And you're actually liberating uh, glucosamine and chondroitin and other, um, other constituents, including even just some basic amino acids like glycine, that are really helpful when you're building or repairing connective tissue. You know, you can buy yourself some chicken and throw the bones away and then buy yourself some <laughs> glucosamine and chondroitin supplement. Right. Or 
you can buy yourself some chicken and for the same cost, toss those bones into the soup pot. Yeah. Toss some seaweed in there with it. Yeah. And now you have that supplement and it's so much more bioavailable. It's so much more absorbable this way. Yeah. Because that's that's what humans have been doing forever. It's what the body expects. Yeah. So the seaweeds going in there is really fantastic. Um, there's also, I mean, you can put lots of herbs into your broth, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so all Especially the... if you're Rin and you like weird, funky-tasting broth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, remember, all of your herbs and spices, your, your you know, culinary uh, seasonings and flavorings, they're all going to contribute some degree of anti-inflammatory uh, benefits to to the mixture here. Yeah, you don't have to have your ginger in tea for it to be anti-inflammatory. You're allowed to put it in your dinner. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. You know, and uh, ginger's relative turmeric. Uh, that's that's really excellent to put into a broth because turmeric is going to be better. Um, like its constituents are better extracted in a medium that is both watery and fatty. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so if the whole golden milk thing never really did it for you, um, <laughs> don't despair. You can put turmeric into your bone broth and you'll be getting all the benefits right out of it. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's just a great way to go. Yeah. And then also, you know, there's so many other foods that fight inflammation, like every single vegetable, every vegetable is anti-inflammatory, you know, like you see, oh, collard greens are antioxidant and this and that. no. All vegetables are anti-inflammatory, so just eat all of them. Um, good quality fats are going to be really important to help you with your uh, help you with lubrication, um, also to help with nervous system health because that there's a component of that when we're dealing with pain as well. Um, yeah, and just putting tons of herbs and spices into every single thing that you eat, and then again, you don't have to do all this forever. So if you're like Katya, that seems like a lot of work. I don't think I can maintain that in a sustainable way every day. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to. But if you do it while you're hurting, it's really going to help you get out of that painful situation so much faster. So then, now that we've got all the food going in there, we've got all the herbs going, it is time for movement. Yes. And... I would say when there's pain, there's such an inclination to be like, oh, I don't want to move because it hurts. Right. Yeah. But, you know, like we were saying earlier, so much of, of the, the critical uh, focal point here is going to be about keeping your fluids moving. And the literal best way to get your fluids moving is to move your body. <laughs> right. So, yes, we can give you herbs that are going to enhance this. We can give you herbs that are going to encourage this to happen. But if you take all of those good lymphatics and circulatory stimulants and everything else and then just sit there, then they're going to be limited in the Mm. amount of support that they can really provide for you. So, yes, so moving your body will circulate your fluids that will allow the healing process to take place. Um, And so, of course, we don't want you to be uh, making it worse, right? And with some injuries um, or some joint pains, um, too much movement uh, or movement that goes too far that can that can lead to more pain, right? Yeah, we're not saying like push it. Yeah, we're not 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 moving for pain, right? Like just moving for for flow. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so what I'll what I'll usually talk about here is if you if you have some pain in your joints, 
Um, usually there's like one, one direction of, of flexion or extension that's going to be more painful. Um, and so what you want to do uh, when you have some, some pain there is you want to move through the range of motion that brings you right up against that place where it starts to hurt. Just like brushing up against that, you know? So maybe it's, it's uh, in your wrist and, you know, you can bend it down and forward and you can circle around uh, clockwise and then once you get up here at around 12 o'clock then it really starts to hurt. Okay, so circle back around the other way, come up around towards like 10 o'clock and then swing back. And then come up a little towards like 11 o'clock and then swing back. And then maybe come around from the other side and see what happens when you're whatever the number would be over there too. (laughs) Yeah. So you're swinging around. You're just coming up to that place where it starts to hurt. You just start to feel it. And then you're retreating. You're coming back away again. Right. Mm. Um, And so this could be with, you know, your spine as you bend or twist. It can be with your hips as you make circles or as you um, extend your legs. It can be anywhere in the body, but move through the range of motion that is comfortable. Come up close to the area where it starts to hurt and then back off. And then as you go through that, and if you, if you repeat this multiple times, what will happen is that, that that line will start to retreat a little bit, right? You'll be able to get a little bit further before the pain starts, and a little bit further each time. And this, you know, this, can, this can take a long while. It could be days. It could be weeks that you're going to be working through that. But the, the movement that you have that brings you close to that area that's still going to be encouraging blood flow through there. It's mm-hmm. going to encourage lymphatic drainage. It's going to encourage fluid exchange and, and repair and recovery. So we're trying to get to a place where we don't allow the fact that there is a range of motion that hurts stop you from going through all of your other ranges of motion. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the, you know, the other aspect I would say here, too, is that if there's a part of your body that hurts to move... Uh, but the rest of you is doing okay, then you can move all of the rest of you, and that will help. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are even uh, interesting things that I've learned over the years, like, for instance, um, uh, people who, who run, and that's the only kind of work that they do, uh, they do get muscle gains in their biceps. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and in other parts of the body that aren't necessarily being worked really hard, you're not doing strength, strength training or whatever, but because you've got one part of your body working and growing and getting those signals for muscle growth and repair, those bleed out and affect other areas of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not actually bleeding. I mean that they, they spread out. <laughs> <laughs> I use that phrase all the time. And I, I, yeah, okay, sorry. Anyway, but yeah, so, um, so here in relation to pain, if I have... If I have shoulder pain, if I have elbow pain, um, and, you know, like lifting things or carrying things or doing handstands in yoga, that's really like not going to happen right now, but I can walk or I can, uh, I can do ground movement where I'm, I'm changing my sitting position into a bunch of different configurations. That is going to help eventually with my shoulder pain, Mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, anything that, again, gets that blood moving, gets things, gets things flowing and gets those signals into the the body at large that say repair, recover, regrow, that is going to start to help over here as well. Yeah, because it turns out that the human body is not a specialized thing, right? So when the body releases the um, the chemicals and the, and the other molecular components that repair damage, they don't send it to only one place. It goes throughout the body. It's not like 
Well, we will only repair damage in, in your left toe, but no, or your left ankle. I guess you have a lot of left toes. But uh, we will only repair damage in your left ankle, but no other part of the body. That's just not how human bodies work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so that's a lot of stuff that all makes direct sense for the joints. And you might be thinking that stress and sleep don't seem like they have much to do with joint pain. Um, but they do. They do. So first of all, sleep is how you repair things. Because it's really hard to repair your body while you're using it, right? Um, When you're sleeping, it's kind of like taking a lot of your systems offline for maintenance. And you can't really do that maintenance work while you are busy doing other kinds of work. Plus, if you're laying down, you have the weight off of most of your joints. And I don't mean that in an immobilized kind of way, just in a sort of give it a rest kind of way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sleep sleep is uh, sleep is just a thing, you know. We we under underestimate how important it is. I had a client actually come in to free clinic the other day, and um, uh, yeah, was was dealing with some um, some some health issues, and it was actually a, a skin problem. Um, but uh, had also mentioned some some joint pain in the knees and here and there, and um, this person was training for a marathon. And so we talked in, about this and that, and okay, let's talk about some liniment and talk about how you take care of your joints and your movement routine and how's your alignment and all of that. Um, and then, you know, I always like to cycle around regardless of what we're talking about to the four pillars, right? Let's talk about food and movement and stress and about sleep. And it turned out that this individual was sleeping about five hours a night. Oh, wow. And so I immediately shifted gears and said, all right, the rest of our time here, we're going to talk about sleep and how to make this possible for you because you want to run a marathon and I want you to be able to walk the following day. So (laughs) um, sleep is going to be a really critical part of this um, because, you know, you go and you work out, you create some inflammation, you tear some muscles, you strain some connective tissues, and then you have to sleep for the recovery to take place, Mm -hmm. for the repair work to take place. And if you're going to be, you know, training vigorously, you need to be sleeping vigorously or (laughs) sleeping the opposite of vigorously, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's really, really important. So I actually really like that sleeping vigorously. (laughs) I'm going to think about that for a while. I like that. Sleeping in a way that that gives you vigor when you awaken in the morning. Yeah. 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 Cool. Right. So stress is going to play a big role here too, not just because like sleep is the time when we aren't being stressed, like when we're pulling stress away, sleep is when we're pulling inflammation away, like all that other stuff. But stress itself is going to be directly related. So if we go back to our TMJ pain example, um, obviously stress has a really super specific component because the more stress you have, the more likely you are to clench your jaw and tense up the muscles in the shoulders and in the neck. But that's actually true all over the body. The more stress that you have, the more that you're tensing everything. And when you tense up your muscles, you can't really, like, nothing is flowing when all your muscles are tense. So, So just from a flow perspective, that's that is inhibiting the ability for nutrients, for fluids to get into the joints and help repair whatever damage is there. But we can also think about the full range of stress here too, right? Like not just stress because you accidentally were watching the news 
and it stressed you out. <laughs> um, but uh, stress, even in terms of like a repetitive stress injury. So if you're having some wrist pain, even if it came from a tennis match over the weekend or like whatever, but then you yeah, go to... Yeah, which let's come back to that in a moment. Okay. But then you go to work and you try to type all day. That's stress on that injury, right? So, and it's that repetitive kind of stress. It isn't like a gentle movement to try to maintain your range of motion. It is a repetitive, ongoing movement in only one direction. And so that would be something that we really want to think about to say, okay, this joint is hurting. What are all the different types of stress that's going to impact that? And how can I mitigate those while this joint is healing? And movement is going to be part of the mitigation, but not if the movement is repetitive and the movement itself is causing stress. Yeah. So my asterisk I wanted to come back to was um, this idea that, uh, oh, what happened was I was playing tennis (laughs) over the weekend and I really pushed myself too hard and that's why my elbow hurts now. Mm. Or... I helped a friend move last weekend, and I must have just picked up a box that was too heavy for me, and now my back is really And that's hurting. the one reason that right. my back is hurting. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is not to say that there can't have been a moment in that weekend where you felt a sharp pain and said, oops, something's, something bad has happened, you know, and then maybe you push through it or, or whatever else. But um, what I want to bring out here is that uh, those, those moments are, are basically happening because you were doing something that your body had not acclimated to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if your job is carrying boxes all the time, then you don't you don't necessarily injure yourself while you're carrying boxes all the time, right? Uh, if you play tennis regularly, you might get tennis elbow, but there it's from the repetitive nature of it, not from the like one moment, one sharp overexertion situation. So for so many people, um, what is really laying the groundwork for these kinds of injuries that then maybe become chronic is, uh, again, a baseline lack of movement, right? Yeah. Um, so this is, sometimes we talk about like weekend warrior syndrome, where somebody is very sedentary for much of the week, and then they go out and they want to do some extreme sports, or they want to just really push themselves, and this is like the only time they feel they have to do that the the framework the baseline hasn't been established and so that goes back to ways that we can build more movement into our everyday life even if you work in an office there are ways that you can move more you can move more of your body you can move in different and challenging ways um, even in an environment like that Mm. Um, and so i would really if you find this kind of thing happens for you where you know um, every now and then you you go out and you want to play and then you get hurt that can be really discouraging and make you less likely to want to play. But um, I would, I would urge to consider like, what does the rest of my movement habit look like? Does it support the play that I want to do? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then of course, like obviously maybe in a professional athlete, there can be one moment where something went too far and they got an injury, but we're talking about the majority of people here. Like most of us, do we support in our daily lives the kind of play that we want to have in our leisure time? Yeah. Um, and most of us, most of us could be doing more to support, including me. Yeah. Well, okay. So, yeah. All right. So, you know, when we, when it, when we talk about sleep, when we talk about stress, um, remember herbs can help here. 
you know there are herbs that can help you to relax at the end of the day and transition to sleep and then that makes the sleep itself more restful um, makes those hours count for more mm. um, herbs can absolutely help with uh, with the experience of stress and to, to mitigate that physically mentally emotionally to help you to, to move through it a little more smoothly and come out on the other end feeling a bit better um, so you know whenever we think this way around um, think about food and about movement and sleep and stress herbs can play a role in all of those that's that's what we mean when we say holistic herbalism right? yeah. is uh, finding ways to uh, work with plants to enhance or to enable or to make it more attainable for us to make these kind of shifts in those fundamental determinants of health you know, and you might be thinking, well, wait, but I was already working with herbs for the joint itself. And now if I try to also work with herbs for the stress, maybe the herbs will get confused. Okay, well, we're not going to put them all in the same formula, but you can definitely be working with herbs for your stress separate from herbs for your joints. Kind of like you eat carbs and you eat fats and you eat vegetables and you eat proteins. Like, it's okay to have a variety of things going on. It's okay to be working with herbs all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted to make a mention here because Lyme disease often has a joint pain component. And now that we have laid out kind of our holistic approach to general joint pain, I also wanted to take an opportunity to mention that we have an online video course specifically for Lyme. And it's called A Holistic Approach to Lyme Disease. And it has the complete breakdown of how we build a Lyme protocol for our clients and how we use the same kind of pile on, that's that's not the technical term, but like, you know, just pile all good stuff on, that same type of approach that we've been talking about in this, in this um, joint pain example, how we work with that approach to help build up a person who's been really depleted by Lyme and help to work to clear out the damage that Lyme causes. So if you're a person who's dealing with Lyme, you might really like this course. There's a link to it in the show notes. And of course, you can find it and all of our online courses at commonwealthherbs.com slash learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so then I guess that just leaves the shout outs for the week. Yes, we have some great shout outs this week. I'm so excited about. So first to Vanessa, who just got our book, Herbal Medicine for Beginners, and is about to launch into our family herbalist program. All right. Yeah, I can't wait to see you there. (laughs) And also Chris, who is a pharmacist and listens to the pod on his commute. Thanks for letting us ride along with you. Also, Chris is a new monthly supporter of this podcast, which means that he's getting new videos every Wednesday, um, and we film them fresh every week, especially for our podcast supporters. And so they're never-before-seen content, Mm -hmm. um, special for our supporters. Right now, we're in a series of herbs you can harvest fresh right straight through the winter. So if you want to get new videos every week that nobody else gets, um, specifically filmed just for you, then you can sign up at commonwealthherbs.com slash supporters. Yeah. All right. A shout out to Jessica, who just started listening to the pod and got a copy of our book and wrote to say she loves it. And would we send her a fancy inscribed book plate? Yes, we will do that. 
And if you have a copy of our book, then we'll send one to you too. Just shoot us an email to info at commonwealthherbs.com and say, please send me a book plate. And we will. And, you know, your address. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that we can tell the post office where to send it. Yeah. I mean, unless you're Santa Claus, in which case I think they know how to find him. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> All right, so a shout out to Georgia, who volunteered to help with the transcribing. Thank you. Yes, that is still an ongoing project. Uh, we still have a whole bunch of podcast episodes to transcribe. And more videos in the, in the always, courses, too. Yeah. Always more videos, so thanks yeah. very much for that. And also to Kayla in Delaware, who, who also volunteered uh, to help with this effort. So Thank you. Very good. We're going to get a little transcription army going on. It's going to be great. <laughs> and also to Kat, who just listened to a year's worth of episodes in just a couple weeks. Wow. We are so glad that you're enjoying them. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope that you're not sick of our voices yet. That's dedication. But... <laughs> Uh, we have one for Jessica, who sent us good vibes when we were posting on Insta that we were sick. Thank you. Oh, that was like 10 days ago or more, <laughs> and that's how far behind my inbox is, you guys. Oh, I'm so sorry. If you're waiting for replies from me, yeah. um, they will come. I'm sorry that I'm behind. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. Okay, and uh, also to Wild Bergamot, who wrote us a review on Apple Podcasts, and... I'm so excited that you're enjoying the pod, and thank you for writing a review. If you are out there enjoying the pod, please take a minute to write a review. It really helps other people find us, and it helps to spread the herby goodness all around the internet, where it is sorely needed. Um, and, you know, you can just tell your friends the old-fashioned way. You can email everybody you know and say, listen to the Holistic Herbalism podcast. It's great. Um, and uh, maybe, they, maybe they will. Maybe they will. <laughs> Well, we hope that you enjoyed this episode, and we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Um, so we will do that. We will. <laughs> uh, until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, drink your tea, keep those fluids moving. And eat more broccoli. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.